This is episode 47 of the Life and Mission podcast. I'm Kay Helm, and today it's a solo episode, a little bit short, but I hope you'll like it. It's called The Gift of Doubt. This podcast episode is from a talk that I did in 2017 for a conference called Launch Out. And this was a gathering of a group of us. It's an online group that we help each other and encourage each other. We've kind of cheered each other on as we've launched new things and um, just a wonderful group. And if this, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for the group. I wouldn't have had the, um, I wouldn't have the guest. I wouldn't have had uh, the, um, I think the confidence to do it if it hadn't have been for this group and some really close friends uh, here closer to where I live. So with that, let me tell you a little bit about the gift of doubt and why I call it a gift. Because, you know, I'm a person of faith, right? I follow Jesus and we talk about faith, right? I'm, I'm a person of faith. I have seen miracles. I believe. And a lot of times we think of doubt as being the opposite of faith, but actually sight is the opposite of faith, right? Um, Jesus even said that when Thomas, right, we know him as doubting Thomas, when Thomas said, you know, I'll believe when I, when I put my hand in, the, in his wounds, I'll believe that it's really him. So that's sight, right? And Jesus said, well, you know, you believe because you saw, but blessed are those who who didn't see and believe. But he's also not saying that it's wrong to have questions, okay? Because God can handle your questions. So let's talk a little bit about doubt. We rarely see doubt as a good thing. It's been called a dream killer. It's something to overcome. It's something to push through. And certainly doubt can be destructive. But what I propose is that we take another look at the gift of doubt. Doubt can be hard to define, but it plays out in things like indecision, hesitation, busy work, loss of enthusiasm, things like that. And when we encounter doubt, the first response is often fear. Sometimes we can even panic over it. Think about um, if you're an, uh, an entrepreneur or a creative person, right? Think about imposter syndrome. That's doubt. Can I do it? Am I able to pull this off? And, you know, that can be paralyzing, but there's something a little bit healthy there in the way that we question. Am I ready for this? That's a legitimate question. Okay. And so that's kind of our jumping off point is that there's something legitimate there that's causing that little niggle of of doubt, you know. So sometimes, for example, you start something and you find out as you get in it that it's a completely different animal than what you thought. And it's completely different from anything that you had prepared for. So for example, in 2006, uh, some friends of, of mine and myself, we, we started a nonprofit. And by 2012, just six years later, I was desperate to leave that ministry. And the only reason I stayed was because I knew God had called me into it. And I I couldn't leave that. So I had to figure out what's going to happen. 
So in my case, the presumptions that I had at the beginning were just simply not adequate for the task at hand. I mean, there were a lot of details to that, but I had to check my assumptions. I had to check my heart. I had to check things that uh, I thought this is how things should be. That's this is how things should should work out. Um, not always the case, right? So uh, you face the facts as you find them. Uh, today, though, I have to tell you that ministry is radically different from anything that we ever imagined when we first launched it, and I feel privileged today to still be a part of what God is doing through it. So. How is doubt a gift? I say that doubt is a gift because it alerts us when something is amiss. There's an inconsistency somewhere. Something is different from our understanding. And because of that, doubt calls us to examine things more closely. Now, it's normal and okay for us to have doubts, especially when we're unfamiliar with uh, the territory that we're in. We're like to, like now, right? 2020, everything's a little weird. You know, when we're in an unfamiliar place, when we're doing something new to, to us, if I'm doing something that's new to me, you know, maybe you've got experience in that area, but I don't. Or maybe maybe we're doing something that's new to the whole world or new to our region or, or, or new, you know, to the people we're introducing it to. I, there's a lot of ways to be new. There's a lot of ways to kind of step out on a limb. So um, there's a track record of this, right? In the Bible, the disciples did not believe the women who came back from the grave and reported that Jesus wasn't there anymore, right? Because, well, they'd never seen it before. Yeah, okay, he'd been telling them you know, in different ways that something like this might was going to happen, right? But they, you know, they didn't get it partially because they'd never seen or heard anything like this before. So think about Thomas, right, of Doubting Thomas fame. So he says, I'm not going to believe that it's Jesus unless I stick my hand in his side and, you know, I touch those wounds. And Jesus actually, when, when they met again, he invited him to do just that. And so you see, he didn't push Thomas away because Thomas said, well, I need a little more proof. He didn't push Thomas away at all. In fact, he invited him closer. Again, I will say, God is not afraid of our questions. But I'm talking not only about faith, like as in belief and, and, um, and you know, what we believe about God, but I'm also talking about um, you know, those doubts that, that creep in, like I said, in business or uh, creative endeavors or just anything in life that we do where we've got doubt, okay? So I'm talking about it very broadly. So how we respond to doubt is really important. If we fear doubt, it will we will push that thing away. We will try to ignore it. We will cover it with platitudes or affirmations. And what we end up with then is a big old monster of doubt over sitting over in the corner of our room and we start moving around it, avoiding it. We're tiptoeing past it so we don't wake it up, right? And what happens when we do that is we leave larger and larger chunks of our lives just completely unexplored and dangerous. On the other side, if we give that thing freedom to just kind of roam around unchecks, it starts stealing from us. 
it nags, it worries us, it criticizes us. Like a raging fire, that thing can destroy everything in its path. So think about that. Doubt is like fire. If we set boundaries and we can engage with doubt with that respect, kind of like we do with a fire, we can make it work for us and it can be a good thing when it's properly contained. So taking that kind of idea of of fire, I called up a friend of mine who is a chef. Kristen is a great chef. She does a lot of really cool things with, uh, um, well, I'll give them a shout out here with a ministry called Mercy Chefs. And um, they go out and they uh, have these mobile kitchens and they cook in um, disaster areas. So when a tornado hits or hurricane hits somewhere, they show up and start cooking. Think what a hot meal means to somebody. A hot meal. So I called Kristen up. Kristen, what does fire do for food? And she goes, oh, oh, let me tell you what fire does for food. And um, I need to have her on as a guest so she can tell you. But she said, think about a beef brisket. Okay. So beef brisket is tough. It's a tough cut of meat. It comes from what she called an unglamorous part of the cow. I did not ask any other questions about that, but it's an unglamorous part of the cow. Um, But if you take that beef brisket and you apply a slow and gentle fire to that, the meat turns into something really tender that melts in your mouth. It becomes a memorable rich, flavorful meal. Yeah, you can taste it now, can't you, right? And what about sugar? Okay, think about sugar. Now, sugar only has one flavor. Sugar is just sweet. Okay, it's sweet, sweet, just sweet. That is all. That is the only thing you get with sugar. There's no complexity there. It is a one note kind of thing. But if you take sugar and you apply heat to it, it it browns, it starts to caramelize, and it develops over 100 flavor compounds. How cool is that? Think about it. Actually, when I did this talk in, in, uh, at Launch Out, um, one, of, one of my friends there uh, w- said he was sitting in the audience and I said that about the, the caramelization of the sugar and the flavor compounds. And one of the things they were doing at this conference was they were uh, had these bags of different kinds of flavors of popcorn. And he said he had just popped a, a handful of caramel popcorn in his mouth when I said that, when I was speaking. And he was like, oh, it's true. It's true. You know, the mouthful of popcorn. He's like, yes, what she's saying is true. <laughs> just think about those, those flavor compounds that you get when you add heat to any any of these foods it permanently changes that food that changes it's not a temporary change that food is forever changed you cook something it never goes back to the way it was so thinking about doubt if doubt is like fire doubt can help us engage our ideas at a deeper level if we start looking at things from a different angle, check on our assumptions, and properly engage this thing, that can actually lead to innovation, growth, breakthrough, and discovery. But how do you engage doubt without getting burned, right? The main thing, keeping with our kind of cooking 
picture here is to get the right people in the kitchen. And, and you just need the right relationships, okay? Relationships help us see truth. Explore that doubt with people you can trust. And I'm not talking about people who are just going to tell you that they never believed in your dream anyway, or they're kind of polarized to one side or another of, of whatever it is you're trying to do. You do not want to bring people into your kitchen that are going to say things like, ah, I could have told you that would never work. You know, that's like throwing gasoline on a fire and somebody's going to get burned with that. You also don't want to go into that kitchen with people who are just going to tell you how great you are and how it's all going to work out and they're going to, you know, they're going to make you feel better, but that's not going to be helpful. You will not get that rich flavor profile that you need in your endeavors because they are not going to let the fire burn hot enough. And please do not let people in your kitchen who do not know anything about cooking With any of this, when I'm talking about relationships and having people speak into your life, first of all, make sure they're for you, right? That they don't have some agenda of their own, that they're for you. You have people that believe in you. They want you to succeed. They may or may not know anything about the thing you're trying to do. So you're going to have to gauge that. But think about the people you might need to bring around you building a team. So you need people with the knowledge and the stamina to stay in that hot kitchen long enough to help you draw all the flavor out of this thing, right? And beyond that, you're going to also need an expert in your field, maybe somebody with more experience. Uh, Maybe you just need a great coach. So there can be any combination of people, but think that through. Be very careful who you let in your kitchen with this fire, because you're going to want to have to see, uh, are there things like missing ingredients? Uh, are you using the wrong tools? Do you need to adjust your systems? Are, are you even basing your decisions on real facts or do you have really dependable information? Do you have the right information? Are you working with the right things? So these people can help All of us, we need people like this to help us sort truth from fiction, uh, to to sort out, is this just my my culture or kind of a a habit of thinking in this way? Are my assumptions correct uh, or do I have misconceptions? Exploring these things really demands honesty and vulnerability. And if our perceptions or assumptions turn out to be wrong, changing them can take a lot of courage. And again, it's good to have good relationships that can help us do that. You know, we might even benefit from some of these false assumptions. Uh, So if I'm kind of doing something in a way that, you know, I, I have some kind of benefit from, then even if that thing is wrong, it's harder for me to let go of it. And uh, so you think about some of the systems in our country, uh, some of the things that may work better for some people other than others. Um, we've got to check and say, now, why, why, why am I holding on to this? Is, you know, what's actually going on? Is it that I have some kind of advantage? I mean, there's a lot of areas that we can, we can think about that with. But in any case, when we do find that we need to make a change, we're going to need Um, grace for that. We're going to need strength for that. We're going to need courage for that. And so this is kind of a whole package. Um, We've got to be courageous enough to face our doubts, to explore things. And again, prayer, I would say prayerfully go into it, but go into it with relationships that you can trust 
get people that have different viewpoints from you that are going to help you with that as well. But, uh, check, you know, just check, check things out good. I want to encourage you, if you're facing doubt, don't be afraid of it, but lean in and, again, prayerfully and with your team. But remember, there are new frontiers out there. There are new discoveries ahead. There are opportunities. And we're just going to have to, we're going to have to face our doubts, face our fears in order to take advantage of those things. Are you called? Yes. Go back and listen to the episode on Oz Guinness's The Call. Talk about calling. And um, there is a caller who calls us. You are called. If you're stuck and you're doubting, engage it. Get the right people around you and engage. Uh, You know what? If you're fire tested, you're built for this. You're made for it. Let's go. I hope you found some encouragement in today. And we'll be back um, soon with more interviews. And um, I kind of took some time off because I'm launching some some things. I'm working on a book that I'm ghostwriting and uh, took on some uh, digital strategy work and just kind of my plate filled up faster than I thought it was. So we missed a week, you know, so as long as I keep up at least every other week on the podcast, I'm going to be pretty happy with that. I hope you are, too. If you enjoy the show, I really appreciate it. If you would give me a review on um, iTunes is especially helpful. Um, so that would be really wonderful. In the meantime, God bless. And I just wish you all the best. This has been the Life and Mission podcast, episode 47. The show notes are at lifeandmission.com. Find your voice, tell your story, change the world. It's Kay here. There's one big truth about fundraising that people do not tell you when you start out. And that is, if you struggle to tell stories, you will struggle to raise funds. But what kinds of stories do you tell? How do you tell them? Where do you find them? How do you put them together? And how do you do all that while you're running your ministry, while you're doing all the work and all the things that you have to do? It does not have to be overwhelming. This is my good news. And also, I want you to hear this. Fundraising is not just about asking for money. Raising funds for your mission does not have to feel icky. Fundraising is really about relationships. It's about sharing stories with friends. And it's about being very clear about what it takes to accomplish great things together. I created the Mission Writers course to help you tell better stories, to know what stories to tell, when to tell them, how to tell them, where to find your stories. So go over to missionwriters.org. That's missionwriters, like you're writing. Missionwriters.org has all the details on the course and on the group coaching program. So you have two options. And if you love a missionary or a nonprofit leader who needs this course, gift certificates are available. So check it out at missionwriters.org and let's make 2024 your best year ever.